Good morning, everyone. I think one of the best things about being at the front is being able to take off your mask. So let me just say, if you need to take off your mask for any reason, uh, whilst you're 1.5 metres away from everyone else, so whilst you're seated, for a short time, that's okay. But just for, for the most of our time together, keep it on. But if you need to you know, just take a breath without it, that's, that's okay. We're in a series on, we've called the series Teachers to Pray. The disciples asked Jesus, teachers to pray in Luke's gospel. They, they said, teachers to pray. And then in response to their request, Jesus gave them, told them the Lord's Prayer. And so we finally get to the point in our series where we're going to focus on what Jesus said when the disciples asked teachers to pray. And now I'm going to pray the shortest prayer ever before a sermon. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus Teach us to pray. What is your prayer? What is your prayer? If you had one prayer that you could write, that would be like David's prayer. Your prayer. What would it be? What would you write down? If you tried to think of exactly what you want from God, what would you say? If we had the mind to do this, to, to write down exactly what we want that reflected our deepest desires, it would be a fascinating exercise. But so often our deepest desires are even hidden to us. But an example of a prayer might be, God, I sort of feel a bit awkward that this is my prayer but I want to be a pretty impressive person and I want others to see it and I have enough margin in the budget to at least go on an overseas holiday once a year. God, this is my prayer. Amen. That's just an example. What might your prayer be? Because the shape of your prayer will give shape to your life. If you wrote down a, a prayer that described your desires, it would basically be putting on paper your desires. And what tends to happen in life is that we go, our lives begin to take the shape of our desires so that we get what we want. That, that's what tends to happen in life. And if you want more than anything else, success, comfort, security, power, that would be your prayer. And then you'd go about arranging your life to achieve those things. The shape of your prayer will shape your life. And Jesus is offering us his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which articulates with beautiful simplicity his desires. And this is the prayer of someone who desires more than anything the kingdom of God, where shalom has found its home, where swords are beaten into plowshares, where Abundance is enjoyed by all, where people from every tribe and nation and tongue sing the same song of praise, where justice rolls like righteousness, like an everlasting stream. Jesus' desires are all about the kingdom of God, and that's what his prayer is about. And he offers us this prayer for it to become our own prayer. It's the prayer for people who likewise are discord as it is, whose hearts are waiting and longing for a better country, the kingdom of God, 
who want more than anything else to have a foretaste of that kingdom in the here and now so others too might know the God of the kingdom. This is the prayer, the Lord's Prayer they're about to go through. It's the prayer for a disciple of Jesus. And this morning I'm going to do a scary thing for a young preacher. I'm going to break free from the three-point sermon. (laughs) Oof. And we're just going to make our way through the Lord's Prayer. So the talk might feel a little bitsy, but hopefully... As we make our way through the prayer, you'll come to love this prayer more than any other, but not only love it, live it. You'll let this prayer shape your life. So, our Father in heaven, our, the very first word tells us that this certainly isn't my prayer, nor is the Lord's prayer, just the Lord's prayer, it's our prayer. This is the prayer of all throughout time and space who've reached out for something bigger than themselves. God. Not just to give, not, not just for God to give them something else that they might want, but they've reached out for God and his kingdom. And so, straight away, we're praying this prayer with present-day believers in Tanzania or in Lebanon. We're praying this prayer with people who fought in the world war. I'm sure on both sides. We're praying this prayer with a mother who's bringing up her kids in the slums of India. This is our prayer. Our Father in heaven. John Calvin, a famous 16th century theologian, he said that This prayer, as it were, was said through Jesus' mouth. This prayer was said through Jesus' mouth. That is to say, uh, Jesus was the eternal Son of the Father, and through him we're adopted as children of the Father. And so it's because we're united with Jesus, we call God our Father. God isn't a judge out to get us. He's not an impersonal bull force behind all that's happening in the world. He's our Father. We've focused on that in the last few weeks. But what's to notice in this prayer is this prayer is much more about Him than it is about us. The person who prays this prayer knows that the power to bring about real change in our lives and in the world resides first and foremost in Him and derivatively in us. This prayer is about God, and that's why the next line is, hallowed be your name. Because it's about him, our Father, our prayer is that his name or reputation be set apart or made holy. That's what it means for God's name to be hallowed, for his name or reputation to be set apart. How? How does God's name and reputation be be set apart? How? It's through the lives of those who bear his name. So what we're asking here is that God's name might be lifted up, set apart by our lives of praise. Lives that, by the way, we love and care and give attention to others, by the way, we live like Jesus. 
We're praying that our lives might join in the tune of praise that the rest of creation already sings. We're praying that we don't live out of tune as bearers of God's name. Because when we do, we drag God's name in the mud. God is the hope of the world and our lives are about him because we know he's the hope of the world, not ourselves. And this is revolutionary stuff. This is describing a life wholly lived for another. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, To continue the music metaphor, Tom Wright says that this is asking God to make us a retuned orchestra to play the kingdom music until the world takes up the song. Do you like that? This request, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is asking God to make us, the church, a retuned orchestra to play the kingdom, kingdom music until the world takes up the song. God's will for is, God's will is for the life of heaven to invade the life of earth, even now. That's crucial. God's will is for the life of heaven to invade the life of earth even now. For his will to be done on earth as it's done in heaven. For the world to take up the kingdom song. And we see this in Jesus. With Jesus, sickness flees, limbs straighten, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised to life. With Jesus, we see the kingdom of heaven invading the very earthly lives of those around him. God's will is for the life of heaven to invade the life of earth even now. For the kingdom of God to renew the lives of those you know. The guy or girl you sit next to at work. The will of God is to invade and transfer his or her life. For the person you know next door, for your barista, God wants to renew and transform their lives by his power the power of the gospel, the story of Jesus. And so that's what we're praying here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And so finally, we do come to asking for our own material needs. But notice there's a simplicity to the request, maybe even a minimalism to the request. Give us our necessities, give us enough. Not so much that we don't know sensibly what to do with what God's given us. Not so little that we can't see past our own need. Give us today our daily bread. And the emphasis here is on what you need for today. The prayer positions us in the present tense. Not worried about tomorrow. And as dependent on God. As much as, here's an image that might stick, dependent on God, as much as those big, flappy, tubular men are, you often see at car dealerships, as dependent on God as they are on the, the fans underneath them. I don't know if you're, you know what I'm talking about. That's, that's an image that'll stick. If you remember anything, it'll be that. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Um, on this part of the prayer, another reformer, Martin Luther, 
he says that in the presence of God, everyone must duck their head and come into the joy of forgiveness only through the low door of humility. This revolutionary prayer has forgiveness at its heart. We're asking for forgiveness. And to do that, we necessarily need to be humble. There's humility as a requirement to pray this prayer. We're people who always, each day, are in need of forgiveness. The prayer positions us in the place of humility, but there's more. As we also might forgive our debtors, those who've sinned against us, we're asking to be forgiven forgivers. So, imagine a people whose deepest prayer is to be a people who forgive, whose reflex is to forgive, not hold a grudge, not return blow for blow, where things just get worse and worse. At the heart of Jesus' prayer is a heart for us to be forgivers. There's a request for us to be quick forgivers. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The worst thing we could do as disciples of Jesus, as people of the kingdom, is to become active contributors to the darkness in the world. Which can so easily happen, right? Jesus' followers doing things that Jesus' followers should never do. I hardly need to give examples of this. It's so deeply engraved and engraved into the public conscience. Examples, the church's role in the stolen generation and missions, the crusades, the holy wars, the list goes on. Jesus' followers doing things Jesus' followers should never do. We pray that this doesn't happen to us because it so easily could. Not necessarily in big ways, but small ways. Maybe temptations to hold a grudge. Maybe in ways to think of yourself as better than another person. It starts small. Jesus knows that there's a lot we don't know about ourselves. And this prayer is a plea that we won't be put into a situation that's too much for us. A situation where we'll trip into sin and evil. Lead us not into temptation. Or as one author puts it, don't let me grow into a person who one day can't recognize the ideals I hold dear today. The shape of your prayer will give shape to your lives. And here, Jesus is offering his prayer, the Lord's prayer, which articulates succinctly his desires. And as so often is the case, desires find themselves being expressed in living, and that's exactly what happened with Jesus. The shape of his prayer gave shape to his life. So the Lord Jesus, he prayed, hallowed be your name. And he lived the perfect tune of praise, not to himself, but to the Father. He prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And his life was exactly that. The will of God being done on earth as in heaven. His life was heaven invading earth and kingdom had come. And by the power of prayer, 
Jesus let nothing, no evil or temptation or cosmic power, get in the way of of the will of God being done, even when that will led him to trial and to flogging and to the cross. And there, on the cross, our lives that so profoundly deviate from the Lord's Prayer, if we're honest, are put to death with Jesus. Our lives of living out of tune, our lives not lived for God's, wills and, God's will and desire, our own lives of having given in to temptation, Jesus took them on himself and they went down into death. Even on the cross, we see the Lord's Prayer enacted by Jesus. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And those words are for us, too. But of course, the story doesn't end with Jesus on the cross. Having risen to new life, we come to life with him. We're united to Jesus. And the Lord's Prayer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, becomes our modus operandi. The Lord's desires are the desires that are written into or onto our hearts and the shape of our lives begin to reflect this. The Lord's prayer becomes our prayer. Let's get practical for a moment. More than anything, if we're disciples of Jesus, we want this prayer to be more and more our own prayer. We want it not just to flow from the tongue again and again, but for it to go into the deepest parts of our hearts and to stretch to impact everything we do. And for that to happen, a good place to start is to pray it. Martin Luther, I like the reformers um, this morning. Martin Luther, he was once asked by his barber, who was no tame man, by the way. This this barber got um, imprisoned for murdering his brother-in-law at some point in his life, but let's leave that aside. This barber asked Luther for a simple prayer, or how to pray simply. And Luther wrote this barber a letter. And in the letter, Luther suggests taking each petition of the Lord's Prayer and expanding on them. So, for example, the petition, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, could be a springboard to praying about God's reign or justice coming in areas we know of injustice at the moment. So, that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, could be a springboard to pray for IJM, International Justice Mission, an organization we support here at St. Albans. Or maybe it could be an opportunity to pray for our country's legislation, that it is truly legislation that seeks the common good. Or maybe it could be an opportunity to pray for your friends and neighbors whose lives are yet untouched by the life of heaven. So you can take each phrase and expand upon it, or you can take one single petition And use that as the theme of your prayers for the day. Sort of let that petition not only uh, be expanded upon in the morning, but let it sort of dwell in your mind through the day and pray that petition through the day. So taking one petition per day, or you could just pray the Lord's Prayer each day to start the day praying it slowly and meaningfully. And actually, why don't you do that for the next seven days? Preachers like having challenges. There's a, a challenge. Pray the Lord's Prayer for the next seven days. And just quickly, what I've been trying to do in my own prayer life is trying to develop a habit of asking boldly in the morning, asking boldly in the morning about things in the day ahead, sometimes using the Lord's Prayer, asking boldly in the morning, and then at night, 
reviewing the day and handing over to God the concerns and anxieties about the day. So you don't go to bed with those worries on your heart and mind. Asking boldly in the morning and in the evening, giving over to God what happened during the day. Why don't you try that? But however you might incorporate the Lord's Prayer into your life, the idea is for its priorities to sink into ours, for the shape of this prayer to become the shape of our lives until they're kingdom shaped, until the Lord's Prayer does become genuinely our prayer. So that one day, when asked to write your own prayer, and to be totally honest and frank about it, which captures the deepest desires of your heart, so that one day the prayer you write might be something like the prayer that Jesus gives us. So to tie off these five weeks in the series on prayer, I'd like to finish with a bit of a crazy thought. What if our praying actually changed things? What if our prayers are actually used by God as he writes your story and the story of those around you? What if our praying results in a different future? I think a lot of the time we're closet fatalists, at least spiritually. We think deep down no matter what we ask or, or do, the outcome will be the same because it's predetermined and so we feel powerless to change and so we stop praying and so we lose hope and expectation. But as we learn to pray, we'll discover that this is our Father's world. Because our Father controls everything, we can ask and He will listen and act. Since we are His children, change is possible and hope is born. Prayer changes things and it changes us too. So to finish with C.S. Lewis, I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, working and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. And so I thought it appropriate that we pray together the Lord's Prayer, which is in your service sheets. As our Saviour Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.